0: Hello and welcome viewers you are watching the brand new edition of to the point with your host Kriti Mishra and on today's show we have a very special guest secretary of department of science and technology Mr Ashutosh Sharma sir welcome to sabha tv and thank you so much for joining us namaskar sir let's discuss the most important issue first about oxygen tell us about the work which is in progress to repurpose oxygen plants identify additional startups and industries for oxygen production and build new designs to bridge the supply and demand gap?
1: Indeed, oxygen is the single most important issue that one is addressing today in today's situation. Now, of course, oxygen uh, and supply and uh, the oxygen reaching uh, people finally, uh, it's a multi-dimensional problem. And so what are the major components of it? If we understand that, then we understand what kind of interventions are going on and how they are helpful uh, for all of us. Uh, So oxygen has to be produced, it has to be supplied, it has to be effectively and efficiently used, uh, and also the logistics uh, of doing all of that. Uh, So these are the four major fronts on which uh, there are, um, which are happening with the speed and at the scale, which is required. If we just go back to the first wave of COVID-19, Uh, The maximum uh, uh, use of uh, medical-grade oxygen was less than 3,000 tons per day at the peak. Uh, Today we have the capability, we are producing more than 9,000 tons a day. Uh, So that certainly uh, should take care of uh, and address uh, all the oxygen needs. Now, having said that, there is another front which has opened up, which was not very pervasive in the first wave of COVID-19, which is a home care solutions. Yes. Uh, so, you know, a whole lot of people are, have mild symptoms; they may have mild to moderate symptoms, and uh, it is a uh, whole lot of time to on doctor's advice uh, to take care of this, to manage the disease at home. Uh, so, therefore, we also need uh, oxygen uh, concentrators, which can be used at home, uh, together with other interventions that supply oxygen. Uh, for example, different kind of more effective mask, uh, regulation of flow rate as needed, uh, together with uh, devices like BiPAP uh, and so on. Uh, so, these are the different uh, dimensions uh, which bridge uh, from production to the last mile connectivity of oxygen. So let me very quickly tell uh, about how it was possible to ramp up uh, the supply of oxygen, and especially focusing on the science and technology aspects of it. Uh, So of course, uh, the industrial supply of oxygen has always been the major component of producing oxygen. Oxygen is used in steel plants, it is used in petrochemical industries, whole lot of industries in fact. Uh, So all of those industrial uh, supply plants have uh, been repurposed. In fact, as we know, that right now all the oxygen uh, production is diverted for medical needs, uh, and, and so there are two different ways that industrial supply happens in the gaseous form, gaseous oxygen, gas oxygen, uh, as well as liquid oxygen. Uh, for example, there are also plants all over uh, in in universities, academia, R&D labs that produce liquid nitrogen. Now, these plants can also be used by tinkering a little bit uh, to produce liquid oxygen. Uh, and so those models and those tinkering have come up very quickly uh, and many of these plants are being converted. But also industrial plants uh, which produce uh, liquid nitrogen as well as uh, gas and nitrogen. Uh, they are being repurposed to produce uh, gas and liquid oxygen. Uh, so one point is that uh, it's great to have good infrastructure because the basic infrastructure cannot be created overnight. And this is also true for all the repurposed science and technology that we see in play today. It basically builds on the foundations uh, that we have created over a decade or more, uh, both in terms of human resources, uh, people who can do this work, uh, as well as uh, the basic infrastructure which is needed to be able to do that. Uh, now, so we said that nitrogen producing plants can be converted to oxygen uh, protection uh, with uh, very little additional inputs and little additional times. Uh, similarly, uh, you know, when we produce, let's say, gaseous nitrogen, all we need to do is uh, replace the zeolites which are used there by a new kind of zeolites, so that material. Uh, so now, I just want to tell you very quickly, uh, that you see so while uh, that looks simple uh, now suppose that we are not producing those zeolites in the country which then brings us back uh, to uh, uh, to end to end solution to the problem uh, which means that we also need to have in producing the right kind of materials the components a uh, whole lot of them were being imported uh, before the second wave hit us but now we understand that we need to produce a certain kind of valves. We need to produce any kind of zeolites. Need to produce any kind of compressors, uh, pressure swing absorption uh, equipment, and so on. And all of that, I'm so glad to share with you, uh, is happening with very great speed. Uh, and thanks to the scientists who already know how to do this. Uh, another, uh, you know, how to make it more efficient. So there are these pressure swing absorption plants. Uh, Which Uh, produce oxygen, uh, which which are used in in bigger settings settings, like like big hospitals hospitals and for supplying oxygen and so on. Uh, There are new variants of that which are far more efficient. efficient. They are called vacuum uh, pressure swing and so on. All of them being tried uh, in terms of uh, medium term, uh, uh, that we would need to develop all these materials ourselves. Uh, We would need to develop, if you want to develop, oxygen concentrators which are being largely imported right now. Yes. Which is which is fine because when you have a crisis, uh, clearly you have to bridge uh, that crisis. Uh, you I have, have to, bridge to bridge the gap, and that's happening. Uh, so we, as, as we, we know that you know all kind of duties have of been waived uh, for importing uh, these equipment. Uh, so in terms of supply lines, uh, which we immediately need, uh, those needs are being addressed fully. All our embassies abroad are very proactive in this. Uh, there is a whole group of uh, government which is working on supply lines, uh, including for the oxygen. Uh, so today, you know, within a matter of days, uh, we are able to get these uh, oxygen-producing equipment. At the same time, even the tankers that carry oxygen, for example, are being repurposed. Yes. So tankers that were carrying other kind of gases uh, are being, have been converted uh, to those which can carry oxygen. Um, so uh, at the same time, there is now in the medium term, we already started the thirst on developing these critical components in India and manufacturing them. And for that, we are leveraging everybody from startups. Uh, so there is a special scheme in which startups can be funded uh, with uh, you know, very little time. Uh, so everybody has got a solution to offer uh, in startups, in industries, in academia and R&D, all of them working together. Uh, so, in fact, there is a group of scientists and producers uh, which are put together, you know, so you can learn much faster if you talk to each other. Uh, and so, that uh, information is very critical at this time because we need a speed. Uh, and the speed comes only when everybody is not trying to work in silos, uh, but they are working together to sort out problems as they move forward. i just okay. give you an interesting example of innovation in oxygen. Uh, so, this is developed uh, at uh, NAL uh, NAL National Aeronautical Lab. Uh, you see, so this is basically a non-invasive ventilator, but together with the oxygen supply, because there are two different parts, uh, which are often have to be uh, procured separately, uh, now for home use. Uh, so, you know, very interesting thing, just hydrogen peroxide solution, that we have used in high school chemistry labs to produce oxygen. Uh, That can be used in a home setting, so that produces oxygen, which is then supplied to this uh, non-invasive ventilator. And already this is going into production. Uh, So together with repurposing, together with what we already got, uh, you know, uh, making more of it and importing more of it, at the same time new innovations are coming up, uh, at, at the age of speed, uh, so that really holds the promise uh, for our medium-term uh, solutions, uh, and, and truly to attain Atmanivedhata in yes. this very, very important and critical dimension. Uh, so, mm-hmm. the only thing that happened here, which was different from first wave, uh, is the speed and mm-hmm. the intensity yes. of this wave, right. uh, which was right. not totally anticipated. And that uh, this uh, calls for uh, very special measures and I am very glad that the scientific community uh, is matching up uh, the expectations and the demands and the needs and priorities of the country in this matter.
0: So you made a very sure. important point and you said that we can't work in silos, we have to work together to combat this pandemic. Now, Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman also made a very important statement. She said that there is no time for vaccine nationalism and nations have to share technologies and COVID vaccines amid this pandemic. What are the efforts underway, sir? Yes, uh, you see, there
1: are certain problems which are truly global. Uh, Now, I may add to this, uh, for example, climate change or sustainable development. Now, climate change is not created by a single nation. Right. it cannot be addressed by a single nation. Uh, so it is very really clear that these problems, which are of global nature, require very close cooperation. Now, imagine if somebody says, "Look, okay, you know, I would not, I would eradicate virus in my country, but I would leave it as well." Uh, that's not going to help any country at all in the long run, because the virus doesn't care about your skin color, uh, about the political boundaries, about nothing. So, okay, so this is a very important lesson, in fact, India has taken the lead in this. Uh, you know, so, despite many demands, uh, our own domestic demands, uh, we have been helping as much as possible other nations, other countries, other societies, everywhere, because it is critical that we do that. And in fact, uh, I think other nations have also woken up uh, to that, uh, that, that uh, need. He is saying, look, that we need to help all those countries uh, which at the moment are undergoing a surge. Uh, So many efforts are underway and one of the critical issues in it, for example, vaccines. Um, uh, You know, there is a whole lot of intellectual property which is held by big companies in many countries, uh, which uh, profits us from making the same vaccine uh, at uh, high speed, uh, very quickly. Uh, So, uh, efforts, very serious efforts are underway uh, for a temporary waiver uh, of these intellectual properties uh, so that the manufacturing uh, could happen here uh, and it can happen in time and not uh, being very prohibitively expensive. Uh, so, you know, because every society has certain capacity to pay, and an individual and every citizen has certain capacity to pay. Uh, and so that must be totally factored in uh, in any of the products. Uh, you know, we, we already know a lot of stuff is sells for twenty dollars. elsewhere might sell for two dollars in India. Yeah. Uh, so at the same time, uh, you know, the import of raw materials it has already been allowed to a certain extent. Uh, we also supply raw material to other countries, uh, you know, for their needs uh, of medical care. And we've India yeah, has been a big supplier of generic medicines uh, for many decades. Yes. Uh, so so now. Uh, the raw materials that is needed, for example, for vaccines are coming in. Uh, of course, the other devices, for example, concentrators, oxygen-producing devices. Earlier, we were also getting ventilators when we had the same crisis during, uh, you know, the first wave. We had imported many ventilators. Thankfully, now we are totally self-sufficient in the best uh, global designs for ventilators. Uh, in fact, we have the capacity to export them. Uh, so, you know, all of this happened in the first wave. Uh, the second wave, just, just being, being a little bit, bit different, different in, in terms of its speed and, and its peak value, uh, it, it has uh, has made new challenges. Okay. But no matter what the challenges are, uh, we are totally committed uh, as a community, as government, as industry, as startups, uh, all of them, R&D labs, academia, all of them have the shared purpose. So just as we were able to overcome in the first wave, uh, I haven't any doubt that while we see the impact of crisis now, I uh, totally understand that. Uh, I get uh, you know, hundreds of phone calls every day yes, uh, sure that right. require help. I totally understand yeah. that, uh, but I haven't any doubt that in a short time we would overcome many of these crisis uh, situations
0: uh, because of the interventions we are being put there now. Absolutely sir, we are just hoping for that. But uh, since the onslaught of this pandemic, since the first wave, we've been working on mathematical calculations and models. Now, what do the mathematical models indicate now about the peak of the second wave and the decline of this wave?
1: Uh, Yes, that's a very good question. So first of all, uh, because there is no uh, very common understanding of what a mathematical model means and what it does not mean. What are our expectations? Why do we need mathematical models? Uh, so uh, so mathematical, mathematical model, first of all, let me say, is not a crystal ball. It does not predict the future because if there was such a thing, if we all knew what the future is mathematically, we would require very little else. It is not a jnanamadhri, okay? Not that I believe in jnanamadhri totally, but all I'm saying is not a crystal ball. Uh, so what, what, what is a mathematical model? Mathematical model basically tells you well, how do people interact, how the infection goes from one person to another. Uh, and what is the rate of that? Uh, so, if, if, if we knew the behaviour of virus, and if we knew the behaviour of people, and the interaction between virus and the people, and for example, mobility of people, and, and basically what kind of precautions they are taking, then you are able to reasonably well predict what the outcome of all of this would be. Now, the critical point is, that all these inputs that go into mathematical modeling, uh, these inputs which I said, behavior of virus, for example, if mutations happen, they again have to be factored in the model. Uh, if uh, you know, if people are not wearing masks, uh, that has to be factored in. Uh, oh, oh, thinking of masks. By the way, I'm not wearing masks, uh, but I absolutely, absolutely must say that wearing two masks today is very essential, for one and 95 masks, The only reason I am not wearing it because my office is out of bounds for all physical meetings totally and there is a great deal of exhaust. Uh, So most important thing I would like to point out here, uh, you know, no matter we are in first wave, second wave, third wave, no matter what, uh, we absolutely absolutely have to observe COVID-19 appropriate behavior Uh, and we will probably discuss a little bit of that later. Uh, Mutation or no mutation uh, doesn't matter. Uh, Okay, it matters, but I am saying in terms of our actionable items, for each one of us, it is absolutely necessary that we must not forget uh, that we don't let uh, virus transmit. Hmm. Uh, And to prevent that transmission, all the protocols that have been invoked have to be totally continued even more strongly now than ever before. Right. Right. Uh, Okay, so we were saying uh, about... Uh, the mathematical model
0: yes sir a uh, mathematical yes.
1: model uh, so uh, okay so so it, it had uh, correctly predicted the waning of the first wave uh, at the time it was we saw that there were smaller numbers they were going small 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 okay uh, so um, uh, but like i pointed out uh, unless you factor in the change in people's behavior or the mutations of the virus uh, and the mobility of people, the mixing of people, and so on. So all of these things actually changed. right? So once they changed, the model predictions also start changing. Uh, a good model, basically, if the inputs remain the same, then is able to predict the future, let's say for two weeks, three weeks, uh, something like that. And then as things change uh, on the ground, uh, the model predictions also have to be adjusted accordingly. So, now having said all that, so one should perfectly understand that that's basically what mathematical models are. No mathematical model globally have been 100% successful. Uh, so, because it's not a crystal ball. Uh, right. Be, uh, predicting uh, something, but based on everything that happens on the ground. Okay. Uh, so, now, of course, the predictions uh, of us, uh, there are many, many different uh, mathematical models. Uh, first of all, I should say, in fact, Department of Science and Technology during the the beginning of the first wave uh, commissioned 38 different mathematical groups uh, to come up with mathematical models, Uh, 38 okay, because we don't know which one is going to evolve uh, in a good shape, uh, which one is going to be robust and all of that, that is judged by the scientific community. Uh, right? So every time people, a scientist does something, uh, how good that is, is judged by the scientific community. Uh, so, uh, so there are, I must say, there are several models, uh, but of course uh, many of them now predict um, that, as we know, that the peak values of the kind that we see now. Uh, and, uh, and also, uh, well, I mean, uh, they predict that we are nearly at the peak now. Okay. Uh, So, uh, I I must, however, repeat that this is not uh, government's position. Okay, Okay. so, uh, because this is scientific, right, so, while the government takes inputs from many different models and inputs from many different other knowledge streams, right, and you have to rely, uh, I mean, you have to make a composite picture out of all of that uh, to see what interventions are needed, what kind of planning is needed and so on. Uh, So, one of the models that I am quoting here, uh, well basically says that we are nearly at the peak now uh, and then uh, slow decline from there. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, you know, so once we hit a peak, it takes a bit of time uh, for things to change. Hmm. Uh, why does that happen? Because what happened two weeks ago actually affects us today.
0: Exactly. You know, so
1: today is the tomorrow of yesterday, so to say. Uh, and so why, it's not what I do now today is going to change scenario. Okay, but what happened two weeks uh, earlier? What happened a week earlier? Hmm. All of that cumulatively, uh, you know, reflects uh, in what is happening now. Uh, so, uh, so we should start seeing changes uh, in a week, uh, in two weeks uh, from now. Okay. okay, and so most important thing is hold our fort, uh, do everything which is important, necessary uh, for us to address uh, this wave. Um, and so this is about mathematical models and in fact when we start when the virus hit us uh, the nation had no capacity uh, no scientists working this very important area
0: yes uh, so yes. now
1: what we are doing is that we are making this a more permanent feature uh, which means uh, funding uh, the different groups that have the capacity to work in this area on a continuous basis so it's not like when the virus disappears uh, that this activity stops so, like I said, that you cannot do things overnight uh, and so we, uh, we should have a deep foundation, a strong foundation uh, to build on every time there is a crisis. Uh, and so that we are now setting up centers, setting up groups uh, which will continue to work in this important area and will be on top of all the knowledge uh, which is required in the area uh, whenever there is a need in the future.
0: Absolutely sir, since we are talking about future developments, uh, another important aspect that I would like to touch upon and take your opinion is on clinical transfer vaccines on children. What is your take Mr. Sharma?
1: Uh, so those uh, vaccines are developing. Uh, right now we don't have a vaccine for children, yes. uh, but certainly because uh, and especially in India, uh, because India has demographic dividend which means we, we are a nation of young population. Mm. Uh, So uh, those things are happening as we know that developing the right kind of vaccine uh, is a time-consuming process. Uh, It used to take in good old days anywhere 10 years or longer uh, to develop a vaccine. Uh, Just to put things in perspective, uh, you know, because many people may not realize uh, that uh, vaccine development is a very time-intensive process historically. And that now we have been able to do it even one of the vaccines that developed in India, uh, right, it developed with very great speed, Um, you know, which is unprecedented uh, in the area of developing vaccines. So I haven't any doubt that, you know, the new vaccine for children uh, would also be on its way. It is being done globally uh, and efforts also on in India uh, to do that.
0: Okay, sir. Lastly, uh, I'd just like to understand what is your ministry, uh, your department doing in order to address the research and development and innovation related challenges that this pandemic has thrown in front of us?
1: Uh, yes, so again, this is very multidimensional. So when you look at uh, things like diagnostics, you have to look at things like ventilators, uh, then you have to look at, uh, of course, vaccine uh, development and now oxygen uh, problem. So there are a whole lot of different things which have happened and who are the stakeholders who would actually do it? Uh, so, we work with, the support uh, a large number of stakeholders of different nature. Uh, so, these are startups. Uh, we do a mapping of all the startups and say, look, which one of them uh, can deliver very quickly, which one of them can deliver in medium term and so on. Um, and, and then, of course, uh, even industries which are prepared for scale up or have a good design and want to go into production. Uh, There is an arm uh, of uh, DST called Technology Development Board, uh, which is to commercialize indigenous technology. Uh, So they they support these kind of efforts. And so what is happening? So let's look at uh, one of them, diagnostics. Mm -hmm. What we need in terms of diagnostics today, uh, because one needs to do more tests, one needs to do more rapid tests. Uh, So a whole lot of new techniques, more than 30 of them have developed indigenously during this period. Uh, For rapid screening through antibodies and antigens. And they have attained very high accuracies. Uh, So all of them are being now used, uh, pressed uh, in the service uh, of rapid testing. Uh, Many of them came from IITs. Many of them came from startups, industry and so on. And and all of them have been empowered. They have all been supported both through knowledge resources and financial resources uh, for them to be able to do it. Um, uh, Then, if you look at RT-PCR, there have been a lot of reforms there. Uh, There is a very uh, recent development coming from CSIR, which is, uh, you know, when it takes swab samples, Mm -hmm. uh, then they are basically, they are put in a a saline, uh, which explodes these viruses, releases RNA, and then transport it. Instead of doing all of that, which is a very time-consuming process, preparing the sample is a time-consuming process. And not just the RT-PCR test itself. Uh, So, that is being replaced by, uh, you know, dry samples, uh, dry swab samples. Uh, That's a very good innovation which would cut down on the overall time for testing, uh, produce uh, rapid results, Uh, easy to assemble hospitals. These have been developed and in fact they have been put together in many different places when you want to create a new hospital rapidly. Uh, We also very good designs for that have been made new designs for ventilators which are driven by artificial intelligence which can be used with telemedicine because we know that sometimes there would be a shortage of uh, trained medical practitioners uh, which are required for invasive ventilators so we have designs which can be uh, monitored uh, you know in parallel by one doctor ten of them for example so all of these new technology elements are being built into all of this Um, then um, in terms of virus behaviors, it's very critical, medium term, long term, all these mutations happening. Yes. We need to understand what these mutations are doing. And for that, we need facilities which are called biosafety biosaf- level 3 and 4, uh, which are very few in the country. Right. Uh, so right. these uh, 10 new facilities have been uh, being set up uh, with our help, uh, where you can study the behavior of virus, but in safe environment. Uh, which means, you know, this is why it is called uh, biosafety level high, high level 3 and 4, where you can even deal with live viruses without you getting infected by it. Uh, so all these fa- facilities are very critical uh, in order to now uh, seed in projects uh, which would look at the behavior of virus. Whole lot of these studies have been already funded even the first wave of virus. Yes. But we must remember, remember that the basic science studies they take a little bit longer than technology. True. Uh, So science is a little long term and it is global and our technology issues which are now become very critical have to be first sorted out with great speed. Uh, Innovations are happening for example just uh, to conclude uh, I don't know how much time we have but uh, I will just give you two very compelling examples of innovations. Uh, You know so in oxygen because we have been uh, discussing oxygen a lot now you realize that in a continuous oxygen supply machine when you inhale oxygen goes in but when you exhale, okay, oxygen is not going in, it's going out, right. okay, so it's a waste. So 50% of the time your oxygen is going waste. Right. So imagine if we were to have a device which regulates this so when you're exhaling uh, okay, you don't have to supply oxygen because it's just going out, doing yes. nothing. So, you, just this little technology intervention can increase the supply, imagine by 50%.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Isn't it? Because half the time you are inhaling, half yes. the time you are yes. exhaling, and when you are exhaling, all the oxygen which is just going out. Isn't it? So, very simple concept to understand, and we are now making prototypes of those devices which might make it possible. Uh, so, even without changing any production, this is about uh, repurposing the use, more efficient use of oxygen. Exactly. Another intervention, uh, for example, is you know we take oximeter readings that tells us how much oxygen is needed. Hmm. Uh, if we couple this uh, monitoring of oxygen level with supply of oxygen, then we are not wasting oxygen. Yes. Right. So if you're right, it, it must be based on good demand, uh, not just okay, just throw everything away, whether demand is there or not. Right? So, these are very simple concepts and we are translating them in terms of technology uh, you know, by getting uh, scientists involved in this process, by getting labs involved in this process. So, uh, all of this happening, uh, very, very good innovations are actually going on and I haven't any doubt uh, that very soon we should be have Atma uh, in uh, these dimensions which have been thrown at us uh you know a, a very unprecedented yes. uh, speed Absolutely, and our speed sir. and our resolve must match all the challenges uh, which are in front of us
0: so we do hope that with these innovations we are able to fight and more importantly defeat this pandemic mr sharma you joined us on to the point show thank you so much for speaking to us and giving us those important insights
1: thank you so much stay safe
0: thank you sir